Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast, episode number 51. Today our guest is Claret Uribe from Merama, which is kind of a Thracio clone in uh, Mexico or Latin America, which uh, obviously Claret will deny in the podcast. Um, and we will talk about the Mexican e-commerce market, the role of Amazon in Mexico, the status of the digitalization of several categories, why cash is still the number one payment option in Mexico and why this is a big driver for the fintech uh, industry. And obviously the chances of an Amazon in a world where Mercado Libre is kind of dominating all over in Latin America. How can a business like Mirama can make a difference by buying or partnering with um, Amazon brands? That's what we're going to discuss in the podcast. It is really cool to get such a knowledge firsthand from um, Claret. I know her now for, I think, nine years or so, or even like 10 years. And it's uh, fantastic to see that even now in Mexico, e-commerce is like the big booming industry with a lot of flourishing new businesses. Have fun with the podcast. So, Claret, uh, welcome to the uh, Commerce Talks podcast. Uh, today, we have a special episode about e-commerce in uh, Mexico, especially marketplace uh, e-commerce in uh, Mexico. We met first time uh, nine years ago uh, in an entrepreneur's event in Mexico City. Uh, since then, I'm following uh, your uh, career. And a couple of weeks ago, I've learned that uh, uh, you received as part of the founding team of Mirama. Uh, 100 million plus dollar uh, financing round uh, um, for kind of a Strasio clone. We're going to talk about this a couple of uh, uh, in a couple of minutes, and then I said, okay, that uh, we definitely need to share um, Claret's story in the podcast. So, <laughs> welcome uh, to to this uh, to this episode. Maybe can you introduce yourself a, a little bit about your background and career in the last years, and then we uh, deep dive into uh, Mexican e-commerce. Yes, of course, Alex. Thanks for having me. Very happy uh, to join you and and your audience, which I know it's big <laughs> in in Europe. Um, well, yeah, my name is Claret uh, Claret Uribe. I am Mexican. As as you said, we met nine years ago at a very interesting event that pivoted my entrepreneur career. After this event, I got super inspired, and I co-founded. Um, um, Nani Commerce for baby products that was called Bebetogo.com. Unfortunately, we had to close like three years ago. The market wasn't ready in Mexico when we started, but that helped us out a lot to understand the challenges for e-commerce in Mexico. Um, well, as an entrepreneur, I did pretty much everything. Every entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast know, knows what, what it means to bootstrap and doing each and every role in your company. And then uh, after that, I joined Facebook for three years, Facebook Mexico office on the commercial uh, part, like part of the business. I used to manage the retails, e-commerces, disruptors, and fintech. Uh, it was a great journey. I learned a lot in, on Facebook and being on the other side, um, not as an entrepreneur, but managing their accounts and also for the large retailers and e-commerces. And it was a very interesting year to do it because 2020 came and everyone in Mexico wanted to be on the channel or have an omni-channel strategy. And this year I joined Merama as part of the founding team. Merama was born six months ago, seven months ago, maybe. 
uh, our founders, Sujaytel and Felipe Delgado, um, they saw the opportunity that the COVID crisis was bringing to Latin America and the growth, uh, triple digit growth of e-commerce. It was the region that it grew the most. And they invited me to join this project. And I was more than happy to go come back to e-commerce and um, build this uh, amazing company. We're already 55 members. Um, it started six months ago and we're, we're working all over Latin America. Um, okay, so let's, that's me. <laughs> let's start with the Mexican market, maybe. So uh, you said that for a bit to go uh, five years ago, it was too early. So what is it, the it was actually nine years ago. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. Okay, yeah. what was the status back then about um, e-commerce and what is it uh, um, today? What kind of um, channels you use for shopping? How big are, is the online uh, share? I guess brick and mortar is still the main channel in Mexico, but uh, please shed some light or, or yes. give us some statistics. It's it's very um, it's very different. Nine years ago, uh, the market was tiny, um, and we were uh, we, we tried to pioneer. My 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 co-founder and I, we both went to school in the U.S. We did our, our master's degree there, and we were used to buy online everything: groceries, clothes, books on Amazon uh, for like to to go to our our, our courses. Um, my co-founder, he had a, a baby and he realized that it was a very important uh, change on, on the consumer behavior. And we thought we could do it here in Mexico, but the challenges were big. Like there were no comp uh, payment process processing companies. Um, some of them were being founded as we founded our own business. So that was the main challenge. And then Also, our suppliers, the baby product suppliers in Mexico, were not ready for e-commerce. They didn't even have digital photos or websites. So we needed to convince. We, we weren't selling. We were kind of like, um, we're, we were trying to convince people to sell on our website. Um, so it was, it was very complicated. It was not the case only for us. There were a variety of, of D2C sites that, that were born back in the day, like nine years ago. And that was... Um, we had like the pet side, Petsy, which also Olivier, he's a co-founder also at, at Merama. He founded this uh, Petsy side. And then there was another side of uh, like makeup. We have, we had one on clothing, shoes, uh, Rocket Internet came to Mexico um, with Linio and Lafiti. And they, they, they try to get some of the market, but it was complicated. Uh, but in the end, all of this e-commerce wave that started back in it was 2012 um, helped build the generation of of young professionals that learned about growth digital marketing logistics d2c sites etc and what happened was that amazon came to mexico i think in 2015 i can't remember if it was 2015 or 2016 i'll check that out in a bit but When Amazon came to Mexico, it cha changed the game for everyone because suppliers um, needed to catch up with uh, being on Amazon. And Mercado Libre, which is the largest online sales platform in Latin America. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it, 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 it's, um, it's talk. Um, it's on the New York Stock Exchange. Like it's a very, very big company. Uh, they had to like pair up with the game of Amazon and start delivering like one day, such as Amazon Prime. So that made uh, the market stronger because we had two very big players on it. Um, also, 
some of the big retailers that were selling very little on e-commerce, maybe one or 2% of their entire sales uh, started um, seeing there was an opportunity there. So, so Walmart launched its side, Coppel, which is a very large retailer, launched its side. Liverpool also did. Liverpool is like an American Macy's. I'm not sure what could be the, the, the similar retailer in, in maybe like in France, kind of like uh, Bon Marche. Yeah, on, on, on Spain, like uh, Cotting Glass. Um, yeah, yeah most, of them are, most of them are dying. So most of them are dying. Yeah, so. um, here in Mexico, they're not, they're not dying quite yet. They're still a very important part of their business, the, the brick and mortar retail stores. But so, so this is how the, the market evolved. And what happened, a lot of entrepreneurs realized that there were niche, uh, like niche markets inside of Amazon and Mercado Libre in which they could sell a variety of different products depending on, on market um, tendencies or trends, sorry, not tendencies, trends, uh, and how they could uh, leverage this to start selling on Amazon or Mercado Libre in Mexico since the, mar the market is huge. We have, we're 130 Mexicans. Uh, we're part of the, like the 20 most, um, uh, with the lot countries with a GDP, uh, okay. largest GDP in the world. So it's a very, very big market. Um, and the, um, the, the, comp the thing that it's very complex in Mexico, it's that only 30% of the population owns a credit card. It's very hard to get credit in Mexico. And that also brought a trend that maybe you can talk to someone after on fintech. Um, we're getting very strong on fintech because we need a, to, to give uh, financial power to people but that's so, that's they, that, so you're, you're saying people without a credit card couldn't uh, buy online that was the thing and so most of the sites adapted itself to for people not only to be able to purchase with a credit card in mexico even the most important and fancy airline or the largest retailer or even mercado libre lets you pay at a convenience store so you place your your um, your order at the uh, at the marketplace or the direct to consumer side or whatever retail store, um, and you're able to pay at Oxo, which is the largest convenient chain on, of convenience stores in Mexico. But how, how do you play? How do you pay then on Oxo uh, with with it's, cash? <laughs> with cash, it's very interesting. So you hmm. you place your order and you pick your paying method. When you pay with a credit card, will you pay online? Of course. Or if you want to pay with PayPal or uh, I don't know, like credit that you have on 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 the store, and then you pay, you get your your confirmation number, and you get your product at home. But there's a way in which you can select paying cash at a variety of convenience stores or even at the bank. You can actually like go and pay through your online app, banking online app, because you might have a debit card or or a checking account but you might not have a credit card to pay online and not all debit cards are, are um, processed in, in, in Mexico for online shopping. So you go and you pay, and then there are some systems that connect the payment on the convenience store with the, the online store, and they let them know that you have paid, and then they can release your product and send it home. So it's very interesting because that's a way in which... Um, the market has, has grown a lot. Just uh, 
this is like a proxy, but when I had my own store, around 10% of the entire purchases were done on, on convenience stores or by paying on the bank because a lot of people um, has cash. Why is this? Because almost, I'm, I'm not very sure about this number. I think it's uh, 40% or 50% of the people are not for, uh, on the formal um, economy system. They're not like paying taxes. They, they just buy and sell things somewhere food on the street oh, okay so, because i i thought like uh, germany would be like the last last standing country with like not cash only but we have a very people are very um in love with cash <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you can forget kind of this uh, uh um this uh, um there's a lot of like payment providers that want to get uh help you getting rid of cash but people love cash here yeah. but now i learned so in mexico there's even more people that uh, don't have even an alternative Okay. A lot. Um, I think the number is like 90% of Mexico's um, economy is sustained by small and medium businesses. And half or more of the small and medium businesses are not formal. They don't pay taxes. Mm. Uh, so they buy and sell anywhere, like, I don't know, maybe on Facebook Marketplace or sending WhatsApp PDFs or just standing at the street and selling things and You get cash for this. Okay, so as a customer, so it, there's a lot of people that say, okay, if I go to Sweden or Norway, you can just survive with a credit card or whatever. You don't need cash ever again. That's totally the opposite than in, Mex in Mexico. Yes. Without cash, you're going to die because no no cab driver would yes. uh, uh, would bring you to the place you want to go. Yes. Um, now we have Uber and some of, some of the taxi um, uh, unions and things like that have have added digital payments to 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 the, their way of operating but if that's not the case even there are some cities in Mexico where you can pay Uber with cash <laughs> so the companies need to adapt like digitalization has been adapting also to the market and this is also a very it's a cultural thing uh, what happens is that um we're developed we're still a developing country maybe uh I just said we're one of the richest countries in the world, but we have a very large population of people, of uneducated people or people that don't have access to technology and things like that. So what happens is that uh, a lot of people don't believe in the government and they don't want to pay taxes. And that's why they use cash. Um, so if you want to have a business that thrives, you need to have cash. Why? Uh, because only 30% of, of the population has um, a credit card and Well, you still have 70% <laughs> of the population that might be buying. But um, but what does it mean then for e-commerce? If you go to more developed countries, like let's go to Europe or Germany, we see some um, some categories are already like 20 to 30% online. Smartphone appliances, for example, are like 80% online only whenever you can buy a cable or whatever um, uh, accessories, accessories for your phone, you only will be able to find those things uh, um, online. Online. So, but but do, do you have like let's 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 go with fashion? I think fashion is the best um, best reported segment uh, uh, worldwide, where we see like numbers twenty percent and twenty percent and above um, online in developed markets. So, what is like the fashion online revenue in uh, in in Mexico versus the total revenue? Um, it's it's still low. It's still between I think it's ten percent. Uh, some of the retailers have their e-commerce store as one of the top stores. Uh, of their the, like the if they have 60 or 100 stores in Mexico all across Mexico maybe the, their e-commerce store is like top three 
but still it's not, it doesn't account for, for most of the revenue just last year, like last year, because of the pandemic, um, the largest retailers uh, were able to say they could like between 10 and 30% of their total revenue came from their e-commerce store. But that was a novelty. That was not something that happened. And the growth that happened in Mexico last year on e-commerce was equivalent to what had to happen in five years, not in one. The thing was that nobody could get out of home. The, the retail stores were, the brick and mortar stores were actually closed. The only thing that was not closed was the supermarket and it had like a very tight schedules. So they, so people had to adapt and start um, buying online. The group that grew the most, the age group that grew the most on online sales in Mexico last year was people um, above 50 years old. So people that were very reticent to start buying online, but they had no choice. <laughs> they had to start doing it. Um, so young people were already there. Uh, people younger, like 35 years and younger. Uh, but and then you had the group between 35 and 50, which was on both sides. And people 50 or over um, was, was different, had no choice. So it grew, I think, Um, more than 100% last year, triple digit growth. Uh, in terms of, of retail, um, here I have, I have the number, just give me a second, is um, it grew like 15% year over year. Uh, online, like from, from offline, oh, sorry, online from 2019 to, to 2020. And um, it was more or less because of the pandemic. Okay, so it was kind of a turbo uh, development kicker for, uh, for, for e-commerce. Maybe uh, um, um, uh, on another note, uh, what we are seeing now the, um, uh, as a category where the most investment goes in, in Western Europe are these super fast delivery services. Uh, um, it's in Europe, it's one, of the one, uh, one, one that became fastest unicorn ever was is Gorillas, for example, where you can just order food. Uh, not, not food, you can order, it's like a small supermarket. You have like a very small assortment, like a supermarket, you can order beer, crisps, some ice cream, whatever, and they will bring it to you within like 10 minutes. So you place your order and within 10 minutes, it's in your home. Wow. And it's like it's 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 got it, they are getting fun uh, funding now like crazy, and it works best in countries with a high Gini coefficient. So where we have a very very unfair uh, um, unfair balance between lots of people uh, uh, that are in need of work and lots of people obviously that uh, uh, that have lots of money. Uh, Mexico yes. is such a country with a high Gini yes. uh, coefficient. So um, I suggest there must be similar services available in Mexico. So when you, you're play, located in Mexico City, so right now, how is your e-commerce infrastructure? Uh, um, yeah. uh, can you rely on such services, for example? Um, Rappi, which is a, a unicorn in Latin America, they're a Colombian company. Um, it's starting to have this um, like express service delivery in 10 minutes. Um, right now, they have between 30 and 45 minutes, uh, but they're starting now right. with this. But nobody like nobody wants to wait 45 minutes for groceries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Okay. Now, actually, here, people are kind of, kind of still patient because Amazon Prime arrived in Mexico. It was started operating in Mexico when Amazon started just for three cities, for the three largest cities. So there are some cities in Mexico. The country is really big. Um, mm. 
that don't have next day or same day yeah. delivery as as we do in Mexico City. So here we have pretty much everything. So Rapi started with this, starting with this uh, service of, of 10 minute delivery. We also have uh, Corner Shop. Corner Shop was, um, it's now powered by Uber because Uber bought a large portion of it and they deliver groceries. Um, they could bring them home in 90 minutes. Um, also, another very important detail is that Mexico City is one of the largest cities in the world and one of the most populated cities in the world. We have around 25 million people living here. So 90 minutes is actually great. It's like fast because um, it might take you longer to arrive to the supermarket because of the traffic and coming back home. So someone delivering you groceries on in, in that um, time spectrum is good. And I think they're also working on lowering that. Um, we also have another smaller company, but that also raised a lot of, of capital, I think like $60 million that is called Justo. And they don't have brick and mortar stores. They just have the where, their warehouses and they bring you groceries. Um, so we have a variety of, of different um, companies. There's another one I think that just um, opened. Actually, I think it's been operated, operated by Germans and they're trying to, to get this. Um, and we also have um, Mercado Libre just enter the grocery business too. And they, as soon as Amazon came to Latin America, they, they had their kind of own, like their prime program. It's called Full. So if you see on Mercado Libre a, a product, product that is marked as Full, you also can get a very quick delivery, um, which is great because now you have a lot of options to buy things and get them really, really fast. Um, not as fast as in Europe, as you're saying, but really, really fast. Um, I, I, delivery, I, I, I'm, sure, delivery. I'm sure it will come. So Mexico is like has has a perfect Gini coefficient for this uh, for this uh, model, and they just uh, they don't need like supermarkets, you know, as an infrastructure. Yeah. They just they just build like small corner stores that will serve like an area like one kilometer around the corner store. The, There's like five thousand plus households, uh, yes. um, and then you can get it like in ten minutes. Um, it's I, uh, Joker, the company that just yeah. came. Um, I think it has founders yeah. that worked at Rocket Internet and they yeah. want to deliver in 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I think in, in, in Germany or like in other in other countries in Europe, they're relying heavily on uh, bike deliveries and they therefore you need bike lanes. I think like in Mexico City, some areas are not so bike friendly, I would say, if I remember correctly. Most uh, of the city is not bike friendly, uh, yeah, but so. it, it they don't care. Like yeah. the people that would deliver are on their bikes or on their motorcycles or even walking. Yeah. Okay, got it. So then let's focus on what you're doing right now. I think it was super helpful to get a, a, a little bit bigger picture about like the Mexican e-commerce market. But you got uh, uh, funding um, from uh, for a model that is called uh, Merama, which I think it's easiest to describe as kind of a ratio clone. And you know, and I think we need just to get it into the right box. So you want to acquire brands that are successful on Amazon. And Mercado Libre, I, I don't know. Do you have to do you have to explain it. Yeah, it's not. Therefore, makes them clone. more successful. It's not a clone. It's different because in Latin America markets operate differently. So we partner. We don't acquire. Um, the Thrasio model like buys 100% of the company. We don't do that. We just buy a share, uh, a big share of the company. Uh, companies that currently um, are top uh, sellers or leaders on Amazon and Mercado Libre in Mexico or at other marketplaces in Latin America or Mexico too. Um, with, uh, so what we do is we partner with them and 
we uh, expon exponentiate their growth um, by injecting investment um, and helping them get to other markets, sell at other marketplaces, build their direct-to-consumer side if it's not built, um, whatever they need to double or triple their businesses in a short period of, of time. And we have a very, very select group of people that works at Merama, specialists on e-commerce, logistics, internationalization, data, um, mark, digital marketing, everything that's needed to grow an e-commerce business, uh, product development, brand development, um, and ex like explode this, this market. And um, something that's very interesting on, on our model is that we really be become partners and the founders of the businesses stay as uh, heads of their businesses um, and they operate their business. And we just come in, help them out and come out or in some for some things we 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 start operating some of of, of the things their business needs um and um this is a a better strategy for latin america for two reasons one the market is not yet fully mature so these companies are still able to grow and a lot of founders know this so why would they sell the like 100% of their business if they know they're still able to grow it So they partner up with us so we can grow together. And if in the end the business gets sold, um, everyone gets a better share. And the other thing is uh, it's cultural. <laughs> it's, it's very hard for Latins to, to let go. Uh, a, a, a Latin American entrepreneur really feels uh, their business is something they own and they love. So it's very hard for them to to leave that lifestyle and um, start a, a, another business from, from scratch. Yeah. So uh, that's why. It's yeah, I, I get it. But you're not only acquiring um, brands uh, or partnering with brands in Mexico, you're doing it in um, all over Latin America, um, yes. which leads to the question. So how strong is Amazon in the whole area? So they're not only stronger than Mexico, but also in other, uh, in other uh, countries, I guess. Um, and, Second question, which is connected with this one. Um, would this model also work with uh, Mercado Libre, where, where I understand it wasn't yeah. possible so far to build like brands on Mercado Libre because you're operating with a different business model? Yes. Uh, so Amazon is very strong in Mexico. Um, they just started operating in Brazil a couple of years ago, and they will start operating in Colombia, I think, that soon. Um, and, but Mercado Libre is very strong all over Latin America. And as I said, when Amazon came here, they started changing their model. And now you can, um, they even have the logistics for you to send your products to their warehouses. So the model changed a bit and it's, um, their service has improved a lot because it's not, it, it's not only relying on, on potential merchants, but also on their own logistics. So um, yes, it's not just Amazon, but Mercado Libre. Um, also Brazil as a large um, retailer scene that has marketplaces and they're very strong. Actually in Brazil, direct-to-consumer sites and retailers that have marketplaces might have a larger portion of the market than Mercado Libre and Amazon. Uh, and that is starting to happen in, in other countries of Latin America. For example, Falabella, which is um, one of the, the most important retailers on the South Cone, um, actually, we have in Merama, some, some founding members come from Falabella. Uh, they 
They are very, very strong and they are they are selling more than Mercado Libre in some countries such as Chile, Peru. Um, so well, what, is, what, what is Falabella? That's a retailer? Falabella, is... it's a retailer. It's kind of like the South Cone Macy's. Okay, uh, but it's like, it, like it's a retailer like with, a, Liverpool. with a brick and mortar DNA. They have brick and mortar DNA, yeah. Ah, okay. Most of the retailers, um, there's not a, the only pure e-commerce, pure player marketplace that it's from Latin America is uh, that, that operates all over Latin America. I'm sure there are other marketplaces at each, each country, but that operates in the entire region is Mercado Libre. And all of the other retailers that operate in different countries or just at one country, they were born brick and mortar. And now they're starting to develop their e-commerces or they started seven, five years ago. And their operations in e-commerce skyrocketed last year because of the pandemic especially in Mexico. Okay, got it. And and how many, yeah, let's say Latin America uh, marketplace marketplace brands are there? So I understand like Stragio model, there are like thousands of um, brands exclusively built on Amazon. Same in Europe. Uh, uh, you have obviously a couple, a couple of brands that are operating globally, but there's like thousands and thousands of thousands of, um, and you can follow those Facebook groups where people are sharing the experience and how to build and manage a brand. So how is it, how is it uh, shaped in Latin America? And it's, is not, kind of a, it's not the same here. I think we have hundreds. I don't, I don't think we have thousands. Um, also, not all of them are building brand. Some of them uh, are just getting like surfing the wave, searching trends and bringing products from Asia which has a cheaper manufacturer for tech and some other categories. And they sell, um, yes, they kind of build a brand. Of course, they have a name and, and things, but it's they're not building brand for people to start loving their brand. And that's another thing and that another, comp another competitive advantage that we can give them at Mirama. Um, at, because um, why is this? Because the market is quite new. So Amazon started up. The first country that um, Amazon came in Latin America was Mexico. And that was not long ago. That was like six years ago, five years ago, maybe. So not a lot of entrepreneurs have started um, developing their businesses online. And a lot of them um, are already the top sellers because they served the wave, not because they built a brand. Uh, and this was also because the market was not as mature as other markets in the world when Amazon came in and Mercado Libre had to shift their business model. Uh, and reach, like brick and mortar had still 80% of the total, sorry, 90% of the total re retail sales before the pandemic. So the model, what happened was if you brought a product from, like if you imported something from China or Korea or Taiwan, or I don't know, like a novelty that we didn't have, have for example, in Mexico, um, in order to have, a huge volume of sales, you needed a deal with one of the top brick and mortar retailers. So if they weren't purchasing your product, you would reach um, um, like a, a, a peak in sales online and that was going to be it. The market was not going to grow as fast as the market on the brick and mortar stores. But last year, everything changed and the e-commerce market grew so much that Now it's a good business to have a product uh, sold, like sold only online. Uh, that was not the case before. For example, when I started my company, that was not the case. Mm. Uh, actually, we started um, a distribution company uh, on the side 
because we realized that we needed the brick and mortar stores to get volume. Now that has changed. Um, so uh, it's, it's, very, it's very, very different. Almost 11 million Mexicans last year purchased for the first time online because they had no choice. They but, couldn't but, get out of the homes. But can you, can you um, describe kind of a perfect deal from your point um, of view? What kind of a brand is it? It's obviously in, in the founders located in Latin America, but uh, how, how much sales uh, would you have via Amazon or uh, Mercado Libre? And for, for, for us, for example, like for us to Manama to partner with a, a merchant, um, we're more than a specific revenue. We're looking for profitable companies that are selling their products online, mo mostly online, uh, hoping um, in Mexico, um, more than 60% of their sales online, whether that's on their direct-to-consumer side, Mercado Libre, Amazon, or other marketplaces. There are some exceptions, of course, in which we're also partnering up with um, brands that are not fully selling online, but they have a very, uh, a product that, is not covered like on the uh, online uh, market uh, or a really good product or a really good brand that was developed not online. But we're mainly focusing on online products because our goal or our mission is being the largest seller of brands online. So um, since I said this before, not all of the entrepreneurs that are selling products through marketplaces are online. Um, are building their own brands as uh, having a brand persona and giving a brand a personality. Some mm. of them are just answering to, to, to market trends. So we we're also looking for brands that are strong and that might, might give us some leverage in some categories. So that's, that's pretty much, much it. Um, mm. This year we will, we, uh, with the companies that we're partnering up um We will, we will have more than $100 million on revenue. Have so you acquired some brands already? Uh, we have, but I'm not able to disclose them. Ah, okay. Oh, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, 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 but you have. And, uh, and you said you have like a, a team that is helping with like branding and uh, product management. So yes, when you compare the stuff you have to do on amazon.com for the US website, let's say Amazon SEO. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is it different to what you, you have to do? And because you said it's not only Amazon, it's going to be other channels uh, uh, too. So is it like, will the team, and there's like more companies that are operating like Stratio, even though they acquire and you partner up, but will, will the product management team, the marketing team, whatever you're building now as a foundation for this kind of brand holding you're building, Will this be different to a similar business in the US or in Europe? It's different. It's different because um, Amazon is not different, right? The algorithm is the same. The way in which you build SEO in the US is the same way. In Amazon US, it's the same as you build SEO in, in Amazon Mexico. You use the tools like, you know, Datahawk or Helium Town or all of these tools. And, um, and you use a strategy either based on products or on words and things. On Amazon, it's similar, but we have Mercado Libre and the strategy in Mercado Libre, it's different. For example, in Mercado Libre, if you, if you don't answer, like most, a lot of people ask questions. It's not just like on Amazon that you like go in, look for the product that you want. You, of course, you search, you, you click on the product and you purchase like one click purchase. 
and you don't talk to anyone and you don't care about it because either you either you read the reviews or watch the video they have there or even click on their ads inside Amazon or things like that. But what happens is in, on Mercado Libre, a lot of the people that buy products from Mercado Libre want to chat with someone. So there are customer service chats working all the time and you have to answer them quickly if you want to have a good grade uh, to be a merchant there. So it's not just on having an, a nice title and a nice photo or helping the Mercado Libre algorithm to show your products. It's also about the customer service you can give on time, like on point at, at that uh, a specific question that the potential buyer has. So it changes a little bit the game. And then you have all the other marketplaces uh, that operate differently. Some of the marketplaces in Mexico don't even let you upload the products on your own. You have to send the list and the photos to the retailer and they upload the product. Uh, some of them uh, want to buy inventory from you, even if it's a marketplace. So the operation, it's more complicated than just uh, selling on Amazon. How, how, many, how many retailers in uh, Mexico, let's say, do have a functional marketplace, marketplace business? Because um, uh, let, let me give you some context for the German market. So uh, obviously the retailers were very slow in adapting the marketplace model. Some now do operate in a marketplace model or at least allow other retailers um, to or, or other sellers um, uh, not to just sell products to the retailer, but sell it through the platform, which is kind of getting rid of the inventory, uh, getting, getting, um, um, uh, getting rid of the inventory risk. That's a game they are playing, but they are very small compared to, uh, to Amazon. So we have in Germany, Otto and Douglas, but the re revenues compared to Amazon are very small, small and still in their core, it's still a, re a standard retailing business, mostly brick and mortar um, focused. Um, do we have retailers with a brick and mortar DNA in Mexico that really adapted the marketplace model? They have. They have. Um, I don't think it's perfect. Amazon and Mercado Libre are way better on their marketplace models, but they're trying. And we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they might um, do it because they know that there's a lot of, um, of business there. And they've been growing year over year, especially since last year. So we have um, a very, very large operation of Walmart in Mexico, uh, which manages Mexico and Central America. And they've managed to build a marketplace. Um, It's not Mexican, but the operation is the, the operation for Mexico is based in Mexico, is not managed from, from the US. And then we have Liverpool, which has a very large marketplace. We have Coppel, we have Claro Shop, um, we have Electra. And I think that's pretty much it. Maybe I'm missing one, but um, those are the most important ones that have built their own marketplace and are gaining uh, market share. In, in certain categories. What is, I, I know um, Amazon is not disclosing it, but what is the, uh, your best guess? What is the revenue of Amazon in Mexico? Oh, my best guess. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. Um, the thing is, I'm not, I'm is it, not is sure it, is it above it. $10 billion? I, yeah, I think it would be above $10 billion or maybe there. Uh, my, my comparison is the top retailers in Mexico. Um, They're, they're, since they are at the Mexican uh, stock exchange, uh, you can see their numbers any, like anywhere because they're public. Um, they're selling uh, $60 billion, um, $70 billion, kind of. And they have the entire market because of the brick and mortar stores. Amazon 
uh, only has around 30, 40 million Mexicans entering their, their platform because of the credit card problem that I explained at the beginning of the podcast. So guessing that, yeah, maybe. So you cannot buy at Amazon with this uh, brick and mortar cash system. So you cannot go to Amazon, buy something and then go to, uh, what, what is it, OXO? Also? OXO. No, yeah. What you could do? No, but what you could do is you can buy at OXO Amazon cards. So you, so it's like the, have you seen the Spotify cards, the Netflix cards? I'm not sure if that's a thing in Europe, but you it, can see them uh, in the US and you it, can it, see them in Latin America. It is, but it's usually gift cards. It's not because of a payment issue, but it's like if grandpa wants to give you some, here's some credits for, I don't know, uh, uh, um, Google Play Store, you can buy kind of a plastic card in the store. Okay. Yeah. They started as gift cards, but now they're also helping out with this credit card problem. So you have, you can buy the Amazon card at OXO and then you can purchase on Amazon. Or you can ask your friend with a credit card to purchase on Amazon. It must be a perfect time for fintechs in Mexico, actually. It is. It is. uh, It is. When I I managed the the fintech vertical, uh, the the fintech clients for Facebook on on Mexico, it was pretty interesting learning on how uh, they were, uh, you know, getting this, huge market of people that has no credit card app. There are a lot of fintechs in Mexico now, um, and it's a great moment for them. A lot of them have raised millions. Actually, um, the first Mexican unicorn, it's called Cavac. They they buy and sell um, used cars, but their model is, is kind of a fintech model because they're, they're lending money for people to buy these used cars. Um, through their own financial arm. Uh, so it's it's pretty interesting the way they're doing this. And then there's um, the second Mexican unicorn. It's Bitso, uh, which is based on cryptocurrencies. It's a trader of, of cryptocurrencies. They operate all over Latin America. And um, they are also taking advantage of, of this lack of, of, of uh, financial services market in Mexico. Rappi, which I mentioned before, they, they've just launched their credit card. So you can get your credit card uh, applying at the Rappi app, for example. Yeah, I, I, I like those two names, Justo and Rappi, because I think that's even internationally adapted names for doing something fast. <laughs> but uh, yes. so that, that, that works a lot even in, in, in a global expansion yes. uh, mode. So for, 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 uh, for your business, for uh, uh, Merama, Merama, so what is, uh, what is the bottleneck for growth? Uh, in Europe, you see bottleneck uh, for growth for such businesses acquiring Amazon brands or partnering with Amazon brands is a big competition. There's more buyers on the market than available uh, companies and obviously finding uh, profitable uh, uh, companies at, at the right size. So um, you have now, I think, secured $160 million. million. I'm not sure yeah. if, if it's number square. 160, yeah. $160 million. That's a lot of money uh, lot. Uh, for acquiring uh, for acquiring companies. So c- can you deploy it uh, the way you have planned for or, or is it easy for you to, is it easy for you to get enough um, targets? Yes, we can deploy it. Um, it's it's not it's not being easy to to acquire targets, but it's not being complicated. And um, this market is getting more and more mature every day. So I think a lot of of new players will come into the game. But uh, I think there's also a very important thing here um, as uh, a bottleneck, which is um, import taxes in Mexico. We have a lot of import taxes uh, of a lot of um, Like you manufacture products in Asia, 
even if they're cheap, um, you have an import tax, for example, from China. And that um, brings the price product a little bit higher or also for textile. Um, this happened because the Mexican government, and it's 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 fine, it's understandable if if the Mex- if the government is not like a fully right government that they wanted to protect the the market um, and the the suppliers or the or the factories that were building those type of products here in in Mexico. So that's another bottleneck that sometimes some uh, products might not be as cheap as they should because of the import tax. And another thing that I found complicated is talent. Um, uh, I, I told, when I started, I, I told um, the story of how Limio and all the direct-to-consumer sites that were born back in 2010, 2012, 2013, um, developed this large uh, like human talent on, on digital and omni-channel and, but, It's not enough. It's it's still like finding someone that knows how to manage Amazon ads in Mexico right now. It's hard. Either you have to learn on your own or you have to bring someone from another country. So we we need to develop talent also on the digital um, spectrum. And we've been we've been able to to grow a very large team at Merama that I'm sure will help skyrocket all the companies that we're partnering with. But that's another bottleneck. Is, is Linio still a big thing uh, in Latin America or, or is it um, now doomed because of Mercado Libre and Amazon? Falabella bought Linio, um, I think a couple of years ago. I remember if it was two or three years. Falabella, the, the, the um, South Cone retailer that I was talking about. And they're merging their their online operations, the Falabella online operations with the Linio operations. So it's still big because Falabella bought it, but it's not as big as Mercado Libre or, or Amazon okay. for the entire region. Um, yeah. Because it's what it was built with the Spryker predecessor. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was a very early, so, so, so if you want to say, very early version of Spryker. Very early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It uh, was, was used for Linio. You will find some of the code parts, I think, uh, in uh, in that. So, okay. So um, there are some limits to, to this acquisition. And um, obviously, like on the talent side, Uh, uh, um, there's challenges, but, but this is like an emerging market. That's always like the, the cool thing. Uh, so, uh, if you have like a very strong network, and that's I think one of the reasons why you're part of the uh, founding uh, founding team, you definitely can leverage uh, leverage on that. So, if I sum it up correctly, so the e-commerce market is is growing rapidly uh, right now, um, also thanks to um, COVID. There's a very big chunk of uh, um, of potential customers not yet uh, arrived in e-commerce, which is different in a more developed market where developed market where I think 80% of all the people living in Germany or US have ordered online. And you say in Mexico, it's still yeah. like 50% not even have the uh, has a credit card or something similar. Uh, where I more, think more, uh, yeah. more. We only 30% of yeah. the population. Where, where I guess a lot of fintechs will uh, definitely develop solutions. Uh, um, solutions um, for there's definitely uh, uh, there's definitely room for um, for structural improvements for um, for the sole brand management on Amazon and uh, Mercado Libre. So um, one question still stays for me. One one question um, I haven't found an answer yet. So. Is Mercado Libre then moving then in the direction of Amazon now? Because they started out as a totally different business model, but they see this kind of pure marketplace model uh, is most likely dominant. Yeah. So are they now changing their business model uh, because of the Amazon success? Is it something you can observe? 
Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's like this is official, and they've come out to say like, "Hey, we're changing our business model." But they have adapted some of the things on Mercado Libre uh, for for sellers, such as the ones that we're partnering with. So they have this full program, which is like Amazon Prime. Uh, you don't have to pay for it or subscribe, but you could see it on their on the platform. And if you see that the product is full, is you could make the analogy that it's kind of like Amazon Prime because it's on their warehouse. They've deployed a lot of, of warehouses all over Mexico. So the sellers can send their products to their own warehouses and they can um, be full, like they can fulfill on time. They've entered the groceries market, which is also has uh, Amazon has also done. And um, they're trying to to increase their catalog. They've also started doing, uh, um, you know, Amazon has like the brand stores. Mercado Libre has also started doing some brand stores. Um, so they they have changed some things in order for the market to feel that you can either look for a product at Amazon or at Mercado Libre. As a consumer, I do it all the time. I I just don't, like I, I don't just enter Amazon. I enter Mercado Libre and some of the retailers for some of the categories. If I'm looking for furniture, I look for the for like the top um, fashion or like high end branded maybe retailers, not it's, just Amazon. It's, it's Wayfair. Already active in Mexico? Yes, you can. Um, I think you can. I'm not sure if you can get deliveries to Mexico yet. I'm not sure about that because things are. Have it feels out. interesting. So one one of the last guests in the podcast was uh, the e-commerce manager from Magnit, the uh, the um, the grocery uh, um, leader in grocery in Russia, and it's, it it feels like 20 years ago here uh, in the more developed uh, countries. Same with Mexico now. I, I'm hearing there's a lot of. Lots of stuff you can do, uh, which is not a, which is not available as a strategic option anymore in more uh, more developed countries, which is which is actually cool. So you can you can totally define like the standard of e-commerce in um, uh, in in Mexico. Then uh, my final final question on the uh, uh, um, Merama business model. So. Uh, let's say you have scaled your operations. Let's uh, let's uh, let's look like one year ahead in 2022. Would it make sense for a European Amazon brand to be acquired or to be partnered with uh, Merama uh, then, because you can bring some some operational skills to the table that uh, Merama clone in Europe cannot bring to the table? Uh, so you, let me see if I understood. You're asking that maybe some European brands that want to start their business in Latin America. For for example, I I just want to understand. So how global can this business be? Is is, is it going to be so? Latin America is obviously a big market. So that it's not a it's not a question right now. But just in theory. So can you be like the dominant Amazon brand partner? I think we can. Yeah, I think we can. I think we're aiming for that. I think, and more than just Amazon, we're aiming for every channel online, like democratizing uh, what the consumer can get uh, online at each and every category that it's selling online and building brands through partnering up with um, entrepreneurs that already have the know-how of how to operate these categories in the region. And how, the region is very big and there's always a way in which we can grow Uh, in each at each and every country in Latin America, um, I think that that might be an interesting model exploring brands that are already popular at other countries or regions, and then bringing them into Latin America, or understanding if it's better to just build a brand for Latin America with the current partners that we have. I think that's 
we, we could explore both uh, both worlds. I don't have an answer for that. Um, I think that the way in which we've been moving is very, very fast and things have been changing each and every week. Um, so it's something just like up in the air uh, to discuss maybe in a year. <laughs> okay, and maybe one other question, which we discussed like briefly before we started the recording of the podcast. So how important is this direct consumer option for the brands you're uh, you're managing? Obviously, right now, selling on the marketplace, it's like a, it's a very convenient thing because you don't need to stay care for e-commerce operations, uh, platform, customer acquisition. My my thinking about e-commerce is like eventually you have to uh, you have to get this direct consumer access. Otherwise, you become a slave of a platform uh, and you don't you you are not able to earn money anymore. Might be. Far away in the future, in the Mexican case, it's, it's not so far away in the more e-commerce developed market in the US and Europe. So how do you think about that? I think that we try to start with direct-to-consumer in Mexico because we, there was not even the Amazon platform or, or the Mercado Libre infrastructure to do it. So we started direct-to-consumer. We learned a lot about the, 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 the consumer and the trends and lifetime value and reducing cost of acquisition and having large margins because you were selling directly through your platforms, but still with a lot of costs um, immersed in this. I think that what you're saying might be true. Um, we can still leverage Amazon, Mercado Libre and other marketplaces to grow the brands that we have. But in the end, having the information on your consumer, it's very important. It is Uh, it is that important that the marketplaces are not sharing it with the merchants, right? If it were something that wasn't important, they could share this information. So yes. I think there's an important portion of um, of sales that should happen at direct-to-consumer. But on the other hand, I still think that the consumer needs to decide where he or she wants to buy, right? Um If they want to buy on Amazon because they're a loyal customer and they pay the prime membership, or if they love um, the experience in the direct-to-consumer side because it explains perfectly what the product does and it, it gives them an emotional connection to the brand, well, so it be. So I think we need to develop all the channels and let the consumer decide. And having information on the consumer can also help selling on marketplaces. So what you're saying, it will happen. There will, there, there will be a time in which... Um, If you only sell through marketplaces, it's not going to be sustainable, but we're still not there. So we still have time to maybe grow our own direct-to-consumer businesses um, on, on parallel with uh, the, Amazon. The, the interesting thing, like here. the interesting in Germany, what happened during the pandemic, the pandemic is that some brands were uh, 100% dependent on Amazon during the pandemic. And then Amazon uh, resorted like the categories and said, okay, we're only selling the stuff that's important for our customers. We don't you even don't find stuff from brand ABC anymore. And then I learned, okay, if we're like 100% dependent and something like the pandemic hits, if we don't know our customers because Amazon and even eBay is not sharing customer data anymore, we are running into a problem. So this stuff that was discussed like 10 years ago, direct to consumer uh, in Germany, for example, is now super popular uh, again because uh, it's, it's a very convenient way to sell via marketplaces because you get rid of all this, yeah, technical stuff and all the operations but uh, uh, eventually you just become like a logistics partner yeah build your so brand and invest there why did amazon make this decision because of the logistics it was very like they were not able to 
Yes. Supply so, the demand because of COVID or? Yeah. So that is that is one reason. Uh, so for in some categories, obviously, they wanted to um, optimize their margins uh, because if you sell low margin products for whatever reason, they are low, low margins in a, in a situation where you have like scarce uh, resources. Uh, that obviously you go for the high margin uh, products. Uh, <laughs> that is true, and and you and and uh, you wanted to be able to supply like basic stuff. Uh, you might have heard about the toilet paper problem in Germany, so people were really. <laughs> it happened all across the world. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a yeah, thing. I still yeah. don't understand that phenomenon. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, I think there are countries where toilet paper is not a thing. They uh, they have other uh, methods to clean uh, to clean. <laughs> clean up after their business but uh yeah uh, there's there's a couple of reasons for that but eventually they learned uh um that they can uh, a good e-commerce strategy can never be uh being dominant on amazon a good e-commerce strategy always involves a very strong direct consumer uh, uh um, channel um and, and that was an, a very interesting time in 2020 and i think that is something that will develop as an as, as an idea in the uh, in the um, emerging markets or in the marketplace emerging markets, but uh, um, the stronger your access to customer consumer to consumers are, the better your own chances are to become a marketplace or platform yourself, selling advertising space and all this stuff, which makes yeah. it even more uh, interesting. And with a multi-brand approach, which you're pushing, it even makes more sense to become like a platform, right? Yes. Yes, and um, I also think that the entrepreneurs that started selling through marketplaces here in Mexico, maybe it's what happened to the entrepreneurs in Germany or Europe. It's that um, Amazon at Mercado Libre had the infrastructure. So they saw all of these companies, such as the one that I had, that went broke, closed, or whatever, because the infrastructure was not ready or um, there was not enough investment to to get to the a large customer base and Amazon and Mercado Libre did that for you. So that's, I think it's a, it was a great way to start, but I agree with you that knowing the consumer and, and for me coming from marketing background, like at my business, my main role was uh, getting acquisition, like growth. And then on Facebook, I was working on growth, growth for retailers, growth for disruptors. And now here at Merama, I'm also in charge of, of building these brands, but also of, of, growth. Um, I, I understand and I really believe that direct-to-consumer gives you all the insights that you need on, on the consumer and understand if your brand persona is the one that you're, the one that you designed is actually the one that you're getting. You can't get that through the marketplaces, but we'll see how it goes. And I think, I still uh, believe that partnering up with uh, the prop, like the, the marketplaces that you should, but building your direct-to-consumer brand, you can have, you can give, um, the consumer the choice of picking what is that they want to where is it they want to purchase right and we'll see how it goes <laughs> and, and the way where to purchase is like uh cooperating with um merama and i think that's clo good closing words on your website you're stating uh, uh, uh merama is your brand's true partner and growth and i think uh, <laughs> that's what you definitely uh, uh laid out here in the podcast claret yes. thank you for your time uh i definitely will uh, uh will follow closely the development of uh, of merama and uh, i hope we can have like another exchange in in a couple of months from now when the first brands you have been partnering with are life yes uh i'd love that alex and thanks again for for this time i really enjoyed talking to you um you know seeing the journey of e-commerce in, in mexico and uh being part of it has been one of uh, the most fun or, or the things that i have uh, had most fun in my life so 
Thanks for letting me share this with your audience. And if you remember correctly, in our event we where we met like nine years ago, I think 80% of the people being there were still active in finance industry and real estate, right? And now I would say almost everybody there is in some kind of e-commerce, logistics, uh, whatever, but not real estate and finance anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Maybe Thank some you. of them in fintech. We should yeah. we should check that out. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Alex. Have a have a great day. We'll here in Mexico. Uh, it's early. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to give us a review on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Recommend it to a friend and give us feedback. What kind of guests you'd like to get us on the show? Bye bye. <laughs>